Let's have a moment of prayer while the worship team makes their, their way down. Loving Father, I give you thanks for bringing us here this morning. I give you thanks, Lord God, for the wonderful food that was, was provided by the, uh, by the church here at Lakeside. I give you thanks, Lord God, that the body of Christ would come together uh, in such, such numbers to, to celebrate what is, uh, is called Good Friday, and sometimes we wonder why, but we know it is so good, Lord God, that we are covered by the blood of Jesus. Give us an experience by the power of your Holy Spirit this morning, Lord. Move me out of the way. And I pray, Lord God, that only the truth would be spoken and only truth heard. And most of all, Lord God, you would raise the affections of your people to heaven, where Jesus stands in glory. In your name we pray. Amen. I want to give us this morning a bit of a contemporary spin on what we call an old path. Uh, Just the other day, Wyatt Graham, who's the president of uh, Gospel Coalition Canada, posted something on Facebook that really spoke to me. He said, when we live in a time where everything is so confusing and there's so many paths that seem like they just lead to annihilation and to death, it is very important for us as Christian people to rediscover the ancient paths that God has provided for his people. The ancient paths that go before the Reformation, they move their way through the Reformation, they move their way through the English affectionate uh, preachers, the English Reformation, those we call the Puritans, and they come to us as Bible-believing, Bible-living Christians on Good Friday here in Halliburton. And so I want this morning to give an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to move through an ancient path And for you and for I to know by the power of the Holy Spirit even more Jesus and his death on the cross for us and his death on the cross for you. There's a big difference, obviously, I think, but there's a big difference between knowing about someone and actually knowing someone. Years ago, I could have told you all kinds of things about Kobe Bryant and about Vince Carter. I could have told you, I could tell you, told you how I, I go and watch them when I was a university student in Toronto at the ACC. It only cost 10 bucks. Can you believe it at that time to go watch them? I'm dating myself now. I could have told you, and we could have argued back and forth at the time about why, which was it Vince or was it Kobe that was the, the next Michael Jordan. And I could have told you basically everything from the back of their basketball cards. But did I know Kobe or Vince? I knew a lot about them, but obviously I didn't know them. It was a far cry about no, from knowing them personally. It's a very simple difference, but I think it's a very important difference for us to keep in mind this morning. This Good Friday, when we contemplate the cross of Christ, I think it's it always, and it has been traditionally Good Friday, an opportunity to know and experience God rather than just know more about him. And that's what I want to take some time this morning to do. I want us to sit under the story of the cross that Paul read a little bit of already for us, to experience it and to let ourselves be changed by it. So what do I mean by sit under, that we're going to sit under the story of the cross? Now, the Psalms were the prayer book of Jesus. They were, you could tell in the quotations that he had during, during the Gospels that he just lived and he breathed the Psalms. These were his prayer book. And this is how the Psalms start. It says, Psalm 1, 1 to 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law 
He meditates day and night. In the life of the follower of Jesus, prayer and meditation go hand in hand. But unlike other forms of meditation that we find in the world today, biblical meditation is on the law of the Lord. It's about being filled by God's truth by the power of his Holy Spirit rather than cleansing ourselves of all things. The Apostle Paul, in, uh, in, his, in his letter to his, his, uh, his protege Timothy, picks this up. In 1 Timothy 4, he picks up on this when he describes to Paul learning Scripture. And he says this, he says in verse 15, Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that you may see, so that all may see your progress. Practice these things, immerse yourselves. When we talk about immersing ourselves in God's word, we're talking about biblical meditations. As Christians, obviously, we love the Bible. As those who may, maybe uh, would consider ourselves evangelical, perhaps. Uh, but sometimes we can wander into what J.C. Ryle called the peril of self-satisfaction. The self-satisfaction of basically just moving our bookmark on the page, right? Wow, I got a whole chapter done today. Rather than, uh, rather than actually experiencing it. And worship can become like that too, where it's just the peril of self-satisfaction of checking a, a, a calendar off the page. In my former life, in my old denomination, by this time in Holy Week, I, would, I could be four or five services deep. Palm Sunday, Holy Monday, Holy Tuesday, Holy Wednesday, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and I'd still be looking at Easter Vigil... Sunday morning, and then possibly even an even song on Sunday night. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. As a pastor, when you're going through that kind of week, by this time, you're, you're checking, just checking those days off the calendar, right? Even worship. It can't, reading the, it's not just reading the Bible that can become about just moving the bookmark on the page. Even worship itself can become just about checking, you know, oh, I made it to church today. I'm, I'm good. I'm good for the day, for the week, Right? The point of celebrating Holy Week or Easter Week, depending how you want to call it, friends, is to slow down a bit and experience the story bit by bit, Jesus' final week. It is so much more than just checking dates off a calendar. And Good Friday in particular gives us an opportunity to stop and experience the moment. I'll say that again. Good Friday gives us an opportunity to stop and experience the moment. Through experiencing the story, friends, we experience Jesus. We know him more. And when we experience Jesus and we know him more, our affections are lifted to heaven and we are changed by God's word. That's how God changes us through his word. So I want to offer a simple time of immersion, a simple time of meditation. I've never done it in a room this size. I was saying to Paul, I'm like, well, there's a lot of people here. So we're going to see how it goes. Okay, I love teaching and practicing biblical meditation. There's going to be some squirming going on. It's going to be a little bit of noise. It's okay. This is a contemporary way of doing this. It's not the old days back when I was coming to a church, you know, and mom would have to, she's here, she'd have to keep us a swat, right? Me and my brothers and tell them to be quiet down there, right? We don't have to swat anybody here, okay? 
or just let it be the way it is. But I want to do that. There are, and friends, when we talk about biblical meditation or immersing ourselves in the Bible, when you look back to the, through the history, back to the Reformation, there is almost as many ways to meditate biblically as there are people teaching biblical meditation. Okay? So what I'm going to do here is I just want to give us a simple three-step approach to getting to the center of the story. I'm going to read through Matthew 27. Uh, Amy's not feeling well this morning. She was actually going to come and read. She's got one of those voices that can just put you to sleep. So you're going to have to put up with me while I do that this morning. And each time, uh, we're going to go through two or three times, and each time I want us to view the story from a different point of view. But first, I want you to get comfortable. Get your feet nice and comfortable on the floor. Settle yourself in. Okay, Everybody take, we're going to take a deep breath in, and we're going to get it out. The, the Bible talks about the spirit being ruach, being the breath of God. It talks about the breath of life so much. So let's, the, Jesus is in the room, ruach's in the room. Let's take a big breath. Just be present. Close your eyes and invite the Holy Spirit simply to speak to you. Invite Jesus to show himself to you this morning. First, I want you to imagine that you are just a camera hovering above the story. I want you to smell the dust in the air. I want you to see the the mud-like structures, the markets. And I want you to experience the story as it's told by Matthew. Speak to us, Lord, through your Holy Spirit. We invite you here in this moment. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus to the governor's headquarters. And they gathered the whole battalion before him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head. They put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit on him. And took the reed and struck him on the head. When they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. As they went went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry this cross. When they came to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they'd offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. Over his head they put a charge against him which read, This is Jesus, King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Save yourself, if you are the Son of God. Come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and the elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him come down from the cross, and then we will believe him. He trusts God. Let God deliver him now, if he desires him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land. Until the ninth hour, 
And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, This man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour rind, and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But others said, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened. And many of the bodies of the saints who fell asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went to the holy city, appearing to many. When the centurion and those who were with him keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place. They were filled with awe and said, Truly this was the Son of God. There were also many women there, looking on from a distance who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. And now as we continue to just sit and rest in the Lord. We invite the Lord again to take us deeper into the story. We invite the Lord now to, 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 to let us enter uh, the view of the soldiers on the ground to see that it is our sin that put him there and to understand the depth of the story from that point of view. Again, we were, at the gov- we were at the governor taking possession of Jesus. It's just another day as a soldier in the Roman army. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters. And we gathered the whole battalion before him. And we stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And twisting together a crown of thorns, we put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And we spit on him, and we took a reed and struck him on the head. And when we had mocked him, we stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. And as we went out, we found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, and we compelled this man to carry his cross. When we came to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, we'd offer him wine to drink mixed with gall, but when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when we had crucified him, we divided his garments among ourselves by casting lots. Then we sat down, and we kept watch over him there. And over his head, we put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, King of the Jews. Then two robbers we crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself if you are the Son of God. Come down from the cross. So also those chief priests with the scribes and the elders, they mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross, and then we will believe in him. 
He trusts God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And the robbers who he crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? One of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And another one of them ran at once and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But then still others said, wait, let's see whether Elijah will come and save him. Then this Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split and the tombs were opened. And many of these bodies of saints who had fallen asleep were raised. Later, when they came up out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When our centurion and those of us who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, we were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the Son of God. There were also many women there, looking on from a distance, who followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, among whom were Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Now, God doesn't keep us there. God doesn't keep us as his enemies. Through this story, God makes us his family. He makes us his friends. So I'm going to read it one last time. And I want us to take now the viewpoint of the women and those who were following Jesus, who can maybe just see through a gate what was happening to Jesus in the governor's headquarters, and followed him at a distance while the crowds yelled at Jesus. So we take that step back, that view. We are friends of God through what Jesus has done on the cross. And let, us take, let him take us into the story as his friends, those for whom he died. Lord Jesus, give us one final experience of you through your word, which is power and effective. Then as we watched, the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters. As we peeked in, they gathered the whole battalion, 300 plus men before him. And they stripped him and they put a scarlet robe on him. And twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head. They put a reed in his hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews! They spit on him. They took the reed and they struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe, put his own clothes back on him, led him away to crucify him. As they went out, they found this poor man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, They'd offer him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. 
Then they sat down and they kept watch over him there. Over his head, they put a charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads, saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you're the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests, God's chief priests, and God's scribes and God's elders, they mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we'll believe in him. He trusts in God. Let him now deliver him if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. The robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. And we stood there. And we stood there. And we stood there. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of the bystanders, hearing it, said, This man is calling Elijah. And one of them ran at once and took a sponge and filling it with sour wine, put it on a reed, gave it to him to drink. But others who were there said, Hey, wait, wait, let's see whether Elijah will come to save him. And as we stood there, Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Behold, the great curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split, and the tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming into the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion Bias and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. There were a lot of us there, looking on from a distance. Those of us who had followed Jesus from Galilee and loved him so dearly, ministering to him. Among us were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. So we thank you, Lord, for speaking us by your word. We just open our eyes and come back into this place. Come back into worship. Come back from having experienced Jesus from all these points of view in his death. Lord Jesus, thank you for speaking through your word. I'm not going to say any more, Lord God, because you speak and you don't need me, Lord God, getting in the way. So I just pray as we go from here and we remember Good Friday, we don't despair because Sunday's coming. In Jesus' name we pray.